you know, life is not going to come to a standstill if I don't agree with you. Or, like real you know, love. Like, look, I got to know the person. <laughs> gay marriage, gay rights, homosexuality. My opinion is, um, like, empathy. I guess I have an opinion. Empathy. They don't call you pickles like, anymore. Someone asked, what, what yeah. is it like to lose your dad? Well, it's kind of like the railing on the porch. Like, if she, if she hadn't had an aide in the classroom, she wouldn't have been able to change my life forever. There's good in all kids. Mm-hmm. There's good in all Getting kids. to know somebody, thinking the thoughts of the other might be a hugely healing thing. I got death penalty, I got universal health care, taxes, Confederate monuments, political correctness. Thank you so much for helping me with this project. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome to Like You, where I talk to real people about their lives, what they believe, and why they believe it. My name is John Zelson. Subscribe on any podcast service or listen from the website at likeyoupodcast.org. This is episode four. In this next experiment in understanding each other, I was thinking about how we experience our neighbors. Since we often have practical and personal connections to a neighbor that are separate from politics, it could be an interesting vantage point for understanding someone in a richer context. So in this episode, I looked up a neighbor from my childhood home. Her name is Joanne. I left that home 30 years ago. I think the last time I saw Joanne was at my father's funeral 15 years ago. Joanne was definitely a good neighbor. As my parents got older and had health problems, she helped. Even though we used to talk, I didn't know anything about her politics and very little of her life story. After these 30 years, I mostly remembered how good she was to my family, and that I thought she was funny. As always, these interviews are long. One day, maybe with your feedback, I'll acquire the wisdom to edit these shorter. But I can't risk the premise of the podcast. In order to understand someone beyond the simple categories, beyond the words they use, I have to give you enough of their voice and their story for you to absorb the deeper themes that are operating in their life. I can't say that the raw interviews are much longer and everything in the podcast, beginning to end, is included for a reason. Oh, you need to know that Joanne has a daughter named Denise. So, while you walk the dog or fold laundry, please enjoy meeting Joanne. Why am I doing it? Uh, There's a bunch of reasons why I'm doing it. I think it's because... Really, when you boil it right down, um, I want to talk. I want to sort of know everyone on the planet, and I've decided to do it one person at a time. <laughs> everyone on the planet. <laughs> everyone on the planet. I'm willing to leave a few people out, I suppose. Yeah, there's a lot I'd like to leave out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with the basics. Where were you born? Um, Buffalo, New York. In, in the city? Yes, in the city of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Can you give me your age or age range? Yes, I'm in my 70s. You sound so great. Well, thank you. Your parents, um, are they're not around? No, my mom died, uh, I think it's going to be four years this Christmas Eve. So, And my dad died before that in 2001, or 2000 maybe. So I'm the oldest in my family, so I'm... Uh, I suppose what they consider the matriarch at this point. Yeah. 
How many brothers and sisters do you have? I had one brother, and he died. Uh, you may even remember him. He used to come around and hang out with Eddie all the time. They used to fix cars in the driveway. I remember the fixing of cars. Yeah, he had a 66 Chevelle, and he was here a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my brother, Russ, and uh, he died. <clears throat> I think that'll be about five years, maybe six. <clears throat> I have two sisters, Diane and Debbie. Yeah. So you you were the uh, oldest child there? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Did you, growing up, did you have responsibilities for, for the other kids? Not really. No. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, so. Mm-hmm. Your mom uh, was pretty old when she died. She was 96. Ago. You got good genes. Yeah, my dad was 89. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, was... this, both of them were, did pretty good. Did you have to do, um, were you, did you have to take care of your mom? Well, the last three years of her life, because of congestive heart failure, she was in a nursing home on oxygen. So, you know, I, I did take care of her and my brother, in a sense, before both of them passed away. Uh, had quite a few years between the time that Eddie died and then got right into taking care of my brother and my mother. And Eddie was your husband. What year was that? When he died? Yeah. 2006, December 31st. So it was almost 2007. That's a, that's a fair amount of taking care of people and having loved ones die. Yeah, it was quite a... Everything was kind of converged together. It was a couple of really... I guess you could say bad years. Sad, anyway. Yeah. Um, how? I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way to basically say how bad. How bad was it? Was it? Were you really? Well, yeah. Because first it was it was my father. Then I had a space of like maybe about. And everybody has deaths, so I'm not saying right. I'm unique or anything like that. But it was one on top of the other after uh, like a ten year little break. Then, then it started in with my brother and Eddie and my mom, and they all died within a space of probably, I want to say, five years. So that was a little, that was a rough period. Did, did dealing with that much um, death of loved ones and, and I'm assuming some um, caregiver responsibilities, did mm -hmm. that? Did it affect me? Yeah, how did it yeah. affect you? Yeah, I got anxiety. <laughs> it made you I nervous. I had to go on Xanax. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I, I, I believe. It, you know, everyone, you know, I think it's funny. We all pause when we talk about these things that happen in our lives, but they're just tough on everybody. You know, it's not yes, like they are. you can't, um, and you had a lot of it. Uh, yeah, I so, had help from my sisters, and when before my brother died, uh, my mom actually moved right in with him and took care of him. So, uh, at her age, <laughs> which yeah. was a big help, but it was, you know, kind of something somebody in their 90s, you know, a little tough for them to do. No doubt. What, what Did Russ have a disease? 
he had uh, he got dementia, early dementia from from severe depression. So that's what you know. If you get that, you know, you stop functioning, you know, until you can't take care of yourself anymore. So that was hard to, to um, emotionally to watch, you know, that happen to him because he was a brilliant, brilliant mechanic, and then he, you know, then he couldn't even, you know, say the word car. <laughs> So that was that was very traumatic. So he had these interests, and then one day he just stopped being passionate about. about that kind of came on gradually. I think that's how uh, dementia happens. You know, first the depression, and then you know, forgetting things. For parents, it's hard to see kids have trouble. I mean, the way it's supposed to work is the parents yeah. will be gone, and then the yeah. kids will have. Is yeah, that hard on your mom? I know. I know so many people that the opposite has happened. I have a bunch of friends who have lost children. So, yeah, that's hard for them. Was it hard for your mom? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, she went downhill um, right after he died. Right after he died? Yeah, she she started to go downhill with breathing problems and, and, uh, you know, because of congestive heart. Mm -hmm. And... um, not that she would have lived for any, however, anyway, she was, I think, 93 when he, when my brother died. So, you know, she was already, she was already right. pretty old. You know, it was quality of life. She had that until the congestive heart took over. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it seems like people hold on while they're useful. And then. Well, that's it, exactly what happened. She would used to tell us that. It kind she of kept, kept herself her. going. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she always, well, she's she's a believer in God, so she always said God has a purpose for me, and that's why I'm still here. Mm-hmm. So, do, you, uh, are you, do you have the same faith as your mom? I think so, but, um, yes, she, they, both my parents gave it to me, but I've, like, taken it off, and it's, like, on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> You've got faith on steroids, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. <laughs> I, I got to hear about that because that you could start a whole new deal, whole new direction. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> but so I it, mean, they taught me the basics, and then I, you know, I just uh, had questions about growing up as in that particular religion, and what I religion, what denomination? Catholic. I you're was. brought up, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then you were having questions growing up. Yes, from the time I was thirteen, questions that couldn't be answered. So, like what? Like what questions? Well, because things like uh, why can't the priest? Why can't priests marry? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no answer for for that. Um, why do you have to make the sign of the cross? Why do you have to go to confession? Uh, why? Uh, See what else? It's been so long. I forgot some of the things that I objected to. Uh-huh. <laughs> but so, there was a lot of them. <laughs> so you believed, but you thought the Catholic Church was weird with all their rules. Is that true? Yes, it's a man-made religion. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and this Hopefully is you're 13... not Catholic, and I'm not insulting you. <laughs> no, this uh, Joy. This is exactly what I want. That's what it's all about. I believe that even if someone disagrees, this is part of what I'm doing here. If you are talking from the heart, then it's great. 
You know, it's funny in life, like, we're, we were next-door neighbors for a while. And I feel like I know a part of you. But all the things we're going to talk about now, I don't think I really knew, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, and part of it is the years. You know, it's been years. Um, but part of it is, it's funny, right? You you just connect. Like, when you, you helped my family, you know, when my parents were sick. And there's all these day-to-day things to connect with. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just weird what people talk about and what they don't think to talk about. Well, that might be true. Yeah, I know everybody is, a lot of people are very um, into um, being careful not to offend anybody because, you know, a lot of people find things to be so offensive if you tell the truth. So there's a lot of sugarcoating going on. Mm-hmm. I see it that way anyway. Yeah, um, well, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but let's, let's just go with the sugarcoating. Um, wait, I know I'm going to write that down. I, I want to ask you something else. So you were you brought up Catholic at around 13. It stopped making sense. Uh, did you tell your parents it didn't make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yep. What did they say? Well, um, that's that's the way it is. You know, those <laughs> things are a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and I still went to church, and I still got married in the church. Uh-huh. And the day after we got married, Eddie and I never went back to the Catholic Church ever again. But I just did it to, you know, because that was the parish that I was brought up in. And, you know, I wanted to make my parents happy. But I could no longer with a full, I had already been studying other things. I could no longer with a full conscience go there and keep up the um, the rituals and the charade of being a good Catholic. Right. So they understood when I officially left. I mean, they didn't, you know, they weren't mad at me or anything like that. They just said, oh, well, you know, that's okay. They accepted that you you mm-hmm. were a good person. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, want to put words in, my, in your mouth. They're, they they yeah. accepted who you were as a person. Yeah. They never, you know, wanted to force me to, to um, you know, to be anything that I wasn't. Um, so I don't know if it actually hurt them, you know, or whatever. I don't think they were that into Catholicism per se, they went. It was more like an obligation, which is so true, so many Catholics. And, um, you know, and then uh, (laughs) about two weeks after Eddie and I got married, we found out the Catholic priest who married us had a girlfriend and six kids on the side. So it was like, Uh (laughs) so much much for that. Glad I'm out of there. (laughs) (laughs) That answered one of your questions. Yes, it did. Um, why don't priests get married? Well, because yeah. <laughs> after all. <laughs> um, do you think your parents did a good job raising you and your um, two sisters and brother? Uh, yeah. When I compare it to the stories that I hear of how other people's homes were, we were the beaver cleavers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Were, were you guys um, middle class, lower class? What were you in Buffalo? in the Middle class. Middle class. What was the community like where you were? You were downtown Buffalo. Yeah. Well, I was on the west side. Yeah, Grant and Delavan. Was it? Um, I, I don't remember. Are there houses there, or is it like row houses? No, it's um typical west side uh, double two-family homes. Uh huh. And Grant Street was kind of like the the hub. You know, everything kind of revolved around Grant Street and Elmwood and Dallas. It was very busy and it was a great place to grow up. Uh-huh. What did your father do or mother? 
What did they do? Your mother was stay at home. My mother stayed at home most of the time. My father, he worked, uh, well, first he was a construction worker, and then after that he worked at Twin Industries, which was an airplane company. He did that for 25 years. Oh, my goodness. Now, I, you are, um, you're, your heritage is Polish? Did you, did I remember no, that? Italian. Italian, yeah, well, of course. Eddie was Polish. Oh, Eddie was Polish. Um, uh, do we, are your parents, were your parents born in this country? Uh, my mother was born in New York City. Her parents came from Italy. My father was born in Italy and lived there until he was six years old. He came over when he was six. Did you know much about their parents? Uh, yes. My grandparents, um, on my mother's side, we were very close. Uh, they lived about four or five blocks from us, and we used to walk there every day. At that time, I, we lived on the Lower West Side, on 7th, 7th Street. I don't know if you know that area, but that's really close to downtown. So, yes, I was very close. And then my grandmother, my mother's mother, she moved in with us, and uh, she died, actually, in that house on Grand Street. A lot of times when you uh, think back about um, early childhood, there's a story that the families will that uh, capture like the fundamental uh, qualities of one of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a story like that in your family that everyone would recognize about you? Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm trying to think what it is. Uh, yeah, they make jokes about stuff that right. I did but, or they did. Uh, one of them, I guess, was that I was curious about my mother's ringer wash machine, and I stuck my arm in it and got, oh got it caught. Yeah, and got it caught. And my mother had to stop the machine and try to get my arm out of it. Do you think that that story is an accurate representation of you? Pretty much. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious about things, and, and it ends up getting me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> when you think of your parents uh, and your youth, um, is there something that comes to mind about what your parents taught you or what you learned from them, good or bad? or you know, just very uh, Let's see. They, they, there was a lot that they taught us. Um, all good. Uh, uh, they, they taught us to uh, no, no racial discrimination, um, to be nice to everybody, to, if anything, they weren't aggressive enough because it was only when I met other people outside of my family that I realized a lot of people were not like us. Mm-hmm. So um, they were, I guess you could say, quiet and peaceful, uh, much to finding out later that sometimes you need to know how to fight. Yeah. So we didn't really learn that. But Are you I mean, thinking? I'm sorry. Oh, no, you. But, you know, I can't really fault that. That's that the way that I guess you could say that my parents were raised and so they passed it on. Do you think that 
early in life do you feel you might have been were you taken advantage of because you were operating on a different set of rules and you had to learn the hard way is uh no i don't think i can't recall being taken advantage of i could just remember being maybe um shocked sometimes at at just people being crude or uh taking advantage of others or just not being nice people that was shocking <laughs> probably found that out in high school yeah um, um, around 13 if i yeah <laughs> around 13 <laughs> yes <laughs> the magic gaze <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, where did you meet eddie he was a blind date <laughs> um, <laughs> he um <clears throat> I had a friend named Duchess, and uh, she liked to sing, and she was in the Lafayette um, High School play, which I went to the year after I graduated. She was playing Sophie Tucker, because she was mm -hmm. big, and she could sing. <laughs> <laughs> she had a date, and her, her, date, her date had a friend that, want, that uh, wanted to meet somebody, so uh, Duchess had this date, and her date brought Eddie along, and that's how I met him at this high school play that I went to. Do you remember that clearly? Yes, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a great night. Yeah, because we he drove, we dropped off. Um, well, there was actually another couple. I don't remember their names. We dropped off the other four people because they didn't want to go out, and we just did the town. We just went all over the place, and uh, that was kind of like the beginning of uh, dating him. How and how long did you date him? I think about three years before we got married. What it was? What's that? It was me. I didn't really want to get married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was having too much fun. <laughs> have you been in? Um, how many times have you been in love? Oh gosh! Wow, probably about fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, all week, not just today. Okay. Oh, okay. All week. <laughs> um, all week, like real love. Like, look, I got to know the person. Well. I, oh, I think it's an open-ended question. So, is well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I got major, many, many, many major crushes, and mm -hmm. reciprocated too. Mm -hmm. Dated a lot of people before I met Eddie. Mm -hmm. Um. It, but didn't maybe didn't want to marry any of them. I don't know what the deal was there. He just fizzled out. I'm not sure. But um, probably uh, real love, I would say probably three times. And one of them died. Mm -hmm. So that... That, uh, that cuts off relationships. That, that, yeah, he didn't really die when I was with him. I had broken it off. But he died shortly after. You broke it off, but you... You um. You thought about it that it might not have been the right thing to do to break it off. Did you? Well, I was actually dating him and Eddie at the same time, mm -hmm. and I thought I was in love with both of them. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it doesn't seem so implausible. Well, it is what it is. You're uh, y you were in love with both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, didn't know what to do. What was it that you uh, loved about these two people? Eddie and Roger was the other one. Um, well, with Roger, it was a uh, lightning bolt kind of thing where 
the very second I met him, when I was 14 years old, I was just like, wow, that was love. And with Eddie, it was, he was a nice person, uh, great and fun, but I wasn't sure that I had that lightning bolt thing, so I kind of hung on to both of them, wondering mm-hmm. how it was going to work out. <laughs> and then um, and then I broke it off with Roger. Um, not that I didn't love him, but he had sugar diabetes, and he was um, losing his eyesight, and something clicked in and told me I just couldn't uh, do that. I was like 21 years old, and I thought, I can't, I can't do that. I can't take care of somebody like that. Were you, were you scared? Is that the right word? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and it's terrible because I call it real love, but yet I, I did that. It's it's life that we we all have stories like that. Yeah, I suppose uh, so. Do you reflect on on this on that much? Are you thinking about those days? Yeah, I do think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably nobody ever affected me the way he did. Yeah, he looked like James Dean. That helped. <laughs> right. <laughs> what did uh, what What did you do today? What are some of the things you did today? Oh, I probably made kerfluffles everywhere I went. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I went out. I I I went out and paid some bills. I went to feel right. I cleaned my bedroom. I <laughs> my computer. <laughs> and uh, do you live? Do you live at the? Are you still next door to where we used to live? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a um, a suburb of Buffalo, about what is it, 10 or 12 miles uh, north of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, good old Tonawanda and the Niagara Falls Boulevard. Yeah. It's busy, busy. Single family houses. Like uh, those houses were made like in the 60s, I think. I think so. Yeah. They're like solid uh, generally. Speaking. Yeah, and I've done so much to the house, and some some of it Eddie and I did to the house, that um, uh, even though I would love to get, get out of the neighborhood and do something more exciting, uh, I, I don't think I'd ever find what I have in this house, so I stay. So what would be a more exciting thing to do? If I was to move out altogether, which I wouldn't do because of the family, I would yeah. probably move to another state or another or someplace like Hawaii, but... I, but I wouldn't do that because I have a very close family. Right. Right now, are you worried about money or health issues? No. No. I seem to be doing pretty good in both of those areas. That's great. Do you go to church? Occasionally. Occasionally I do. You said you were religion on steroids. Yes, but let's see if I can explain it. It's more of... um. Uh, religion is man-made, and I consider myself a Christian. And I used to go to the chapel all the time, but I find, and they have a very, very good speaker there. Uh, the main, the lead pastor is wonder, absolutely wonderful. He's really very thorough and very, very good. But um, he doesn't always speak, so sometimes I can, I just watch it on the computer on, in the morning. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, I know. Do you believe in? Um, that there's a place called hell that people go to after they die or a place called heaven? 
that they can go to? Uh, yeah, yes, but that's complicated, too, because even if you're a rotten, miserable SOB, you still don't go to hell. You, you just, your body goes to the uh, grave. Your body goes there. God keeps your spirit, and then he judges you later, and then you, then you either, depending on the outcome, then you either go to hell or you are with God. So I'm not, I'm not the traditional, um, you know, you like you hear at funerals, oh, they, everybody went to heaven because he was such a great person. You know, uh-huh. it's really <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is hell a place where people go and they suffer? Uh, no, I think that um, uh, you would go there upon judgment and at some point soon after you're you're burned up completely, like you never existed. Hell is actually your ex- not ever knowing God. Do you are you reading the Bible? I do. Mm-hmm. I actually am with a group of friends that we do a Bible study um, whenever we can, usually mm-hmm. about once a week, and we can ask questions or probe, just dig into a topic and see what it actually says about that. For some people, the religion or spirituality, it's about this idea of being a good person, like doing good works. Mm-hmm. And for other, for other people, they really focus on this idea of simply believing, right? Like, uh-huh. um, and, and for some people, the act of believing then makes you do good works. Do you right. Fit, do you, does your belief system fit into that model somewhere? Um, let me see rephrase that. Does my belief, like if I do good works, I would go to heaven? Is that what you're saying? Okay, let's do that, yeah. Uh, no. No, I might be rewarded for good works if I do them, but I can't, I've learned this, I can't do anything to get my salvation because Jesus did that when he died on the cross. So I can't do it. I can't do it. It's already been done. Does that make any sense? I I think so. I mean, I I can make sense of it. Um, uh, anything you say is going to make sense to me uh, if I can ask follow ups. So let's see. <laughs> <laughs> That's a um, tough one because people stumble on that one. They think it, they can earn their own salvation, and you can't. I don't know if I should clarify it. But, like it's great to do good things. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're going to be rewarded for good things. Let's say you do something like uh, anonymously buy someone's groceries for them, you know, or whatever, you know, because they're poor. Okay, that's a good thing. But that won't that won't save you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're we are all we all have the opportunity to be saved just because he died on the cross. The more the if you do good things, that's to your credit. You'll probably be rewarded according to what you did. If you do bad things, you still have the opportunity. Jesus still died on the cross for you. But if you don't turn to him at some point in your life or the next life, then you will be one of those people that um, just burn up completely in in hell. What do you do then to... Not go to hell. Mm-hmm. What do I do to not go to hell? Yeah, it's it's not the good works you're saying. Right. It's something mm-hmm. else. I'm curious what that something else is. It's very simple. It's so simple that I'm amazed that people don't do it. 
Okay. <laughs> you just accept that he is your Savior. You just love him. That's all you have to do. <laughs> but what is um, what is it to love Jesus? What? Uh, it's amazing. Um, it's um, faith. Uh, it's a feeling of not being alone during your bad, rough patches in life. Um, mm -hmm. It's, um, I don't know, answers prayers for you. Uh, it's a great feeling to believe that you will be resurrected and spend eternity with him and other people that are resurrected. So it's a, it's a great feeling. I, I wouldn't want to be without it. Mm -hmm. So in a way, this thing that you need to do to not go to hell, I'm saying it coarsely, I, I just can't yeah. think of a better way. That thing that you do is actually giving you peace in the here and now too. Like it's not yeah. something you're doing to get heaven later. You're doing it because it's part of your whole belief and it feels good and it feels um right. I, I don't have any ulterior motives for it. I right. it's it's just it is what it is. Um it's a great thing to uh, be a part of. And it gives you peace. Is that Yes, very yes, it does. Yes, it's probably taken me years to be able to put it into words. And also to realize um, that I didn't need, to, because I was in a, um, before I am where, where I am now, I spent years in a legalistic church that um, just about destroyed me. Hmm. And uh, Eddie hated it, and um, I didn't know how to get out of it, and uh, eventually they put me out, and... Uh, no one was allowed to talk to me. They were in that church. I mean, it was, um, <laughs> it was I, unbelievable in these in these days. Yes. And what? what how old? Were, well, you were married to Eddie at the time, and so yes, it was 1982 when it happened. Yeah, they actually put me out. <laughs> the pastor came to the house and <laughs> said, "Don't come back." Yes, he said. He said, "You're wearing makeup." You are put out," he said. "People told me they've seen you wearing makeup, and because uh, they came down with a new rule about not wearing makeup, that if you did, you were, you know, a terrible person." What denomination was this? It was, um, it was called the Church of God, the Worldwide Church of God with Herbert Armstrong. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but no. uh, they've just about. There's probably hardly any of them left. At one time, there was probably three hundred thousand all over the world. And then little by little, people got, you know, um, you know, because of rules like that, you know, they just kind of got turned off about it. And now, you know, they might have congregations here and there with hardly more than 30 people per city. Uh, what I'm curious about is what you think his motivations were um, in, in, in the church. Like, do you think, like, did he think he was being this, a good person? He must have thought he was being a good person, even while he's doing this to you. Oh, gosh, I don't know what he thought other than his basic personality was the only way I used to describe it, and I still do, is like he is a Gestapo. <laughs> he is a control freak, power hungry, um, despicable. <laughs> and this is the leader of the church. No, no, this was the pastor in the Buffalo Church. Right, right, right. I'm sorry. The pa right. David, what, what, yeah, David, David. David, okay. Who now has a church, who now has, has started his own church. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, this guy, how old was he when um, 
at the when he he was causing these. Problems. I would say he was probably in his thirties to early forties at the time that all this happened mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty two. Do you attribute? this behavior that it's bad do you attribute it to him thinking that this is what god wants him to do or do you think yes it was... yeah i do so mm-hmm. he that was his interpretation of of religion yeah so he thinks he's doing god's work yeah oh yes he definitely believes that yeah Here's... but you know there are legalistic people in religion who, you know, I find a lot of fault with, and then there are people who just quietly go about observing it their own way, mm-hmm. you know, and he was definitely uh, legalistic. He liked, you know, all his ducks in order, and everything had to be just so to the point of actually turning people off. You know, that's just how he was. Yeah. When I hear things like control freak and all that, I'm not thinking religious leader. I'm thinking here is a flawed person who is yeah. trying to act in a certain capacity. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that was his basic personality. No matter what line of work he who would be working in, it was his personality. Yeah. Do you think that that personality like is attracted to these kind of leadership roles or religion or um, or do you think it just I do think religion attracts a lot of them, mm-hmm. but um, also, you know, the type of person he was, you could also, like, picture him in the military, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So I, I think just his basic personality was to make people's lives a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is not what your God would want, right? No, that's why I knew he was a false leader. Yeah, I, d- I don't, you know, believe that God would put push, put people in charge like that. I mean, it happens, but, you know, you have to be careful. My, my experience in that worldwide has taught me to be very careful of people. So, you know, I would never fall for anything like that again. I learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. Um, uh, people some believe their own lies, too, which can make them very compelling liars. And very mm-hmm. easy to fall for it. Do you, um, do you think? Right, it's a tough one. <laughs> In this example, someone thinks they're good and thinks they're following God's path, but in in your assessment, um, they're actually just a flawed person who is not taking people on God's path. Right, like there is yeah. a a chasm between what that person thinks they are and what Mm -hmm. you think they are. Right. Right. I'm wondering if you ever apply that to yourself and wonder, is there anything about me that I think I am, but I I might be just completely lying to myself? Or even just Um, lying to yourself a little bit. Um, hmm, that is a tough one. Um, I try not to lie to myself. I'm trying to think. Um, I try not to lie to myself. Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that can happen, but 
What do you do I, to I, What do you do to not tell those lies to yourself? Like, how do you avoid that? Like lies that I'm such a good person, but I'm really uh, underneath. I'm kind of a stinker. <laughs> that that would be a classic, right? That would be a classic. That's the example for this guy, I think. He sound he sounds terrible, but I I recognize he probably doesn't think he's terrible, or maybe he does. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he does. Mm-hmm. I don't think he does. I think I think you know one of the things that that church bred was self righteousness. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta admit, I I. I I fell, you know, a victim to that while I was in there. Mm-hmm. I, I I did think I was such a good person because I was in the right church. And it was the only one that really mattered. And I think I was um, just kind of discarding other people's good deeds because they didn't agree with what I believed in. But I kind of fixed that when I got out. It took a couple years, though. That's really interesting. So this experience in a very, um, I'm going to call it intolerant church, in the end, mm-hmm. it might have, like, made you more open <laughs> to other people. It did. It, really did. <laughs> I, it did. I tried to explain that to Denise, that I'm not the same person as when all that was going on. And, uh. you know... Um, it, it taught me something, and uh, I'll never make that mistake again. There, you know, there was this self-righteous, which, which I can pick out in people now. So it taught me that, too. Um, do, you, do you do, um, have you done volunteer work in your life or give to charity? Has that been something that's important to you? I, I do give to charity, um, and I, I do... Um, I've been volunteering, although now they pay me. I've been volunteering for 10 years at the chapel with the homeschooled kids. I teach them art. You teach the homeschooled kids art? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah, it's fun. I would would pay to see that. (laughs) Well, I I hooked up with a very nice girl from the the chapel. We met in Bible study, and uh, she's very artistic. And they offered her an opportunity to teach the homeschool kids because the chapel is starting a homeschool program where the kids can come and they can have a gymnasium, music, and art mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. And so my friend then asked me, if I, because she knew I liked art, she asked me if I would like to be a part of that, and I said yes. So I've been doing it for 10 years. And about five years ago, they said to me, well, you're so faithful in coming here. We feel like we should pay you at least, you know, at least gas money. And I'm like, well, okay, okay, that'll work. <laughs> what kind of art do you like? Um, I like uh, modern art. I like uh, antique looking art. I think there's so many different expressions of art. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to say something to you. Um, I like painting. I like uh, um, I don't. I guess anything that that I consider good art, and not something that somebody like, for example, Denise yeah. and I went to a museum in Chicago, art museum in Chicago, and there yeah. was a yeah, it was interesting. And one thing was on the wall. I forgot what what amount of money they were asking for it. <laughs> and while it was was a was a canvas painted white, there was nothing on it. 
And I'm like, okay, that's a little absurd. <laughs> what is there a modern artist that you like? Uh, modern? No, I don't know too many by name, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, Denise and I both liked, um, and I like the style of art because it's floral. Georgia O'Keeffe mm -hmm. would be. Um, she has some beautiful flowered artwork. Are you? Um, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Are you familiar with Marcel Duchamp? No. Okay, I'm just curious. I'm just trying to um, like frame. When you say modern, you're thinking, um, not yeah, like kind of some of the abstract stuff. You know, mm -hmm. maybe I like some of that. Uh huh. Um, I don't know. You know, there's so many forms of art. You know, it's like how do you pinpoint it? You just, you know, you just like something because it, it appeals to something in you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But a, a canvas, a, a canvas painted white, <laughs> yeah, does not a, appeal to you. No, I know. I can't understand it. Sometimes <laughs> you can't understand art. You know what made that so special? Right. You know. Um. Maybe that they're asking when does white become white? <laughs> yeah, or, or maybe it's a, a snowstorm. <laughs> right there, you go. You know? Um. <laughs> When was the last time you were angry about something? Mm, probably a month or so ago. A month ago, okay. What, mm -hmm. what was I it? Mad, very mad. I don't get mad very often. Uh -huh. um, what was it? Let's see. I think someone said something to me. Can't remember now what it was because I've put it out of my mind. And... They didn't want to listen to what the truth actually was, and that's what got me mad. I can't remember the topic. I can just remember being mad at them because they didn't want to hear my side of it. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, you know, when someone makes up their mind without hearing all the facts. Yes. I, that's what it was that got me mad. All right. That is a nice little segue. I've been talking to you for a while, and I haven't gotten to this important thing of um, – the issues. Here's what I like to do. I'm going to mention an issue, right? And you say whether it, it whether you have an opinion on it or whether it's important to you. Um, if it is, we'll talk about it. If not, we'll just move on. You ready? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, gay marriage, gay rights, homosexuality. Um, I guess I have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, what's your opinion? Um, I think... First, whatever makes them happy is is fine with me, as far as my opinion of it. Mm -hmm. However, um, and you know, I'm coming from a Christian standpoint. Um, God doesn't think it's okay, so um, I try to just um, look at it like I don't know, I don't understand homosexuality mm -hmm. a whole lot. But there's so many people that are, so I don't, um, I don't judge them. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't judge them. It's a confusing message in a way because I know you're clear that God does not are he doesn't if, approve of it. Right? Doesn't approve. Do you think that gay people can't get into heaven? No, I think they can. All right. Um, would you vote? for a politician that said that there will be no uh, gay marriage or civil union? 
No, uh, would I vote for a politician? Uh, yeah, could you vote for a politician? Was, let me see. I got. I, I mean, I'm. I. I I'm, how am I going to put this? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand the question. Oh, I'm let's sorry. Let's, let's say there's a politician, and that politician says, um, "I think um, homosexuality is wrong, right?" Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, we are going to make it so. There'll be a government rule that says um, gay people can't get married and they can't have civil unions. I don't know if I would vote for him or not based on that, but I think um, that I believe, so I don't know where he would stand on it, I believe that gay people should actually, if they want to be together, have a civil union. I Mm -hmm. wouldn't call it a marriage because it isn't, but I believe that they should call it a civil union. Give them their insurance and their their uh, tax tax breaks and whatever else you want to give them, but it, it's basically a civil union and not a marriage. Right. So I don't know how the politician would fit in there um, as far as that goes because, because he could say they shouldn't get married, but he... But I was, he, like, I was he, framing the question specifically to say that he would not allow civil unions. Uh, well, I think he should allow civil unions a president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. So I'm going to move on. Did you vote for Trump? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Do you think? Do you think Trump is a moral person? Um, I think he's trying to be. I he comes from a background that he probably was nothing but a spoiled rich brat. Um, but I think that he's surrounded now by um, Christians, and I think he's, he has Bible studies in the White House. He, I think he's, he's moral. Um, he's, I think he's more moral than he has been in the past. Mm-hmm. What was your basic reasons for voting for Trump? Um, oh, gosh, that gets into a whole big thing. Cause <laughs> yeah. I know how people disagree with that. Right, but it's good. That's what I want. Uh, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what you think. Well, I read. I never. I voted the, for the first time. This is the only second time I voted ever. I wasn't. Interested. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm not really basically interested in politics, but I made it my business to be interested this time because there's so much at stake. Okay. Uh, when you, I so I studied both people. When you look into Hillary's background. And the, the fact that they belong to um, some, some very questionable organizations in the Clinton Foundation, and they're tied in with George Soros, who is determined to destroy the United States, um, that left Trump. Trump is in there uh, for a reason, and um, I think... A lot of people believe if you come from the same kind of background or knowledge that I've seen, Trump is in there because God wants Israel supportive. It's very important to um, save the state of Israel for the Jewish people. And Trump does uh, support Israel. Hillary uh, did not support Israel, as did Obama did not either. Um, So... That and a lot of other issues, for one thing, uh, Hillary supported uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, which also includes aborting babies, and there's been 
over 70 million babies aborted in the United States, and Trump is against abortion. Um, this is good. Can I can I um, ask some follow-ups? Sure. All right, because I know I can see you get it. <clears throat> we can continue that. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, things you've mentioned about, like Soros or um, organizations Hillary has been involved in. <clears throat> I first want to say, when you want to find out about the stuff, or when you did your research, let's see, where do you get your information? What information sources are you using? Um, <clears throat> I did a lot of it on the computer and compared um, facts about what they were saying, checked them all out to see if it was true, just kind of followed, like, WikiLeaks and some of the things that, um, about the shadow government that Hillary and Obama are in, where they're still trying to get Trump out of there. I listened to a lot of uh, programs on TV with people uh, that know firsthand what is actually going on with Hillary and people I know. that know Trump. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to um, I don't want to interrupt you, but um, there's I'm I'm trying to get at something. I'm looking for specific sources. You know, I'm always skeptical. Someone says just on the internet that that could be anything, right? right, right? Well, first of all, do you have specific? Can you remember specific organizations where or people that you use to form your opinion? Um. And don't worry if you can. I got I got follow up questions. I can. One of them. I'm trying to think of his name. One of them is. Um, he speaks about this all the time. One of them is a Robert McGinnis, and he um, is tied in with the government, and he has worked right in the White House, and he has some excellent sources of information that I have seen him talk about on TV on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. When you say on TV, is there a particular channel you're listening to on TV? Um, no, actually, there's. I've seen him on several different programs. Um, also, on just uh, programs uh, before the election that uh, gave. We're talking about um, what was going on and uh, programs that did documentaries on different people and their background checks. So I can't really be more specific than that because this was probably a year and a half ago, and I can't remember the details of it, but yeah. I was like, like, oh, wow, these are the things that people aren't checking into, and they should. Mm-hmm. Let me, I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through a couple information sources, and you tell me whether you believe them. Uh, Fox News. I don't even watch Fox News. New York Times. Um, I, for a while, it was coming into my inbox, and so I was, uh, uh, reading it, yeah, I, I have read it. I don't anymore. Do you believe that you're getting um, facts from the New York Times when you read it? Um, I don't read it that often. It was probably more or less just like when they sent me a notice on my computer. Mm-hmm. But you know, I didn't like read a whole lot from them. I don't know if which way they're. Bi- I don't even know which way they're biased. Okay. Uh, do you read the Buffalo Evening News? No. I don't. Do you listen to N- NPR? Uh, no, I don't. Um, is there a radio station that you're listening to? Uh, no, I, I, um, I, I don't have a good radio. I never listen to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you're, you, 
Uh, in the car, do you turn on the radio? I do. Mm-hmm. All right. What are you listening to in the car? Smooth music. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, this 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 thing about George Soros having a uh, a mission to destroy mm-hmm. the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know uh, where that one came from? It's all over the place. Um, I actually started getting interested in it maybe four or five years. Um, it, and I can, again, I don't retain things in my mind where I, where right, I right. found it. But um, his uh, he he supplies a lot of money to um, different different foundations. He's actually even behind all the riots that were happening right after the election. He he. You mean like the women's march? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, do you think uh, the people that participated in the women's march? Do you think that they were paid by Soros, or like, or is that you know? Somebody made some, somebody made some money on it. His money was behind it. I don't know whether the women got paid. Um, you know, and I don't even know much about the cause. I kind of forgot what we were actually marching against. Uh, after, well, I think they just wanted Trump out of there. I don't, I can't recall exactly. You know, I'll tell you why because um, I was so wrapped up in all of this stuff before the election. And it just riled people up, mm-hmm. discussed it on the computer. People got really mad if you disagree right. with them. And so I just kind of like said to myself after a while, you know what, I'm just I'm just not going to do that anymore. It is what it is. And it would have, you know, if she came in, I, don't, I think I would have let it go by this time. So mm-hmm. I just kind of like tossed it on the side and, and said, you know what, I can't, I can't. Uh, revolve my life around um, politics, whether Trump is good or not good, or whether he'll, right. you know what I mean? So I've, It's exhausting, it's, right? Yes, it's, it really is. It really is. And I think that the way we talk about these things can be exhausting, too. Um, hypothetical situation. Um, if I were able to First of all, I, I don't want you to like be able to list off like in great detail every source of every piece of information you think, right? That's that's not what this is about. I do want to know where you get your inf- information mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say um, I stirred up a bunch of um, credible, uh, credible stories, and I we could document them that showed that like um, uh, Soros wasn't trying to destroy this country. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, do you believe in general that you are uh, able to hear a different opinion and, and kind of process it and listen to someone else's opinion? Yeah. Or Yes, I do. Is that a, is that a value you have? Is it, it to that, ex- are you committed to that, that even if you believe something, you can hear if someone tries to explain it, ex- uh, like, uh, Bring a different set of facts, attention. I would listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I try to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. I realize that a lot of the things that I do see on the computer, people post them, and they just uh, everybody just jumps to like whatever they first read without really uh, knowing if they should back it, or where to back it up, or if it's actually true. I realize right. oh. a lot of that. It are you getting your you're getting news from Facebook? Is that it? Um, no, I, I read posts 
from Facebook, but mm-hmm. a lot of the news I get about world situations comes from uh, people that have uh, been in the, in the United States government as generals or something else. They know Washington, D.C. Um, they have um, a background of sorting out the facts, and they go on TV programs, and they tell you about those things. Which, which TV programs, though? Um, they're probably not programs you would recognize. A lot of them are uh, Christian um, news, Christian stations that... Oh, oh Christian stations, okay. Yes, that try to keep you informed as to what's going on. Um, do you remember the, the names of any of those? Because I'd be curious. Um, there's a lot of interesting people that go on the Jim Baker show. Um, I don't personally like him. I think I think he's a dip. But <laughs> <laughs> so you recommend that one highly? Is it? Uh, no, just his guests. <laughs> just some yes. <laughs> Not him personally. Uh, Let's talk. Been kind of a wacko. <laughs> Has Trump disappointed you at all? Yes. Yeah. He has. I what are the what are the, I don't like that he's not uh doing um environmental protection things and mm-hmm. that not worry about endangered species or uh, animal rights. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish he would be more on that. And um those are two of the things. And I think also um I wish that he would learn to speak better and not rile people up so much. Speaking of right, right. Speaking of sugar coating, he's one that should. (laughs) 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 I don't normally advise that, but he needs to sugar coat a few things. (laughs) He needs to have people telling him about political correctness. (laughs) Yeah. He needs some lessons. A little bit wouldn't hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) Right, just a little, right? Only piss people off like once a week or two, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> and some of it, is, of course, is fake news. You mentioned abortion earlier. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Is that something you have a strong opinion on? Yes. Yes, I do. And briefly, you you think that when you when you abort a fetus, that's like murder? Is that? Um. Sure. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And I was um I was I don't like. Again, putting words in your mouth, but I think that one, I got, I got that sense from you earlier. So I want to go to it, the, my next piece of that. Okay. Um, and you're you're in the pro-life camp, right? Um, do you do you understand the argument that the pro-choice people are making for their position? Uh, it depends what argument you're talking about. Um, okay. If you're talking about uh, available birth control. And if that's not going to be available because uh, some people believe that Trump's stand on plant parenthood, uh, you know, they think he's taking away available birth control. I believe in birth control as a form of birth control as opposed to abortion being a form of birth control. Mm -hmm. Because some people just think, oh, well, so what? I got pregnant, you know, I'll just go get an abortion. Whereas if they could have been on a pill before that, you know, or some other form, um, then they wouldn't be um, harming a fetus whose life began at conception. 
Do you think that people who are pro-choice, and I want your most generous interpretation, like uh, the people that are pro-choice, do you think, what is their motivation? If you're pro-choice. Pro-choice. That means that you feel that if you're a female, you have the right to terminate if you want to. Let's say in the first trimester. Um, well, it's still abortion, and it's still, if they've proven that life begins at the moment of conception, which I tend to believe, um, that's still, it's still not good. Right. But what I'm, I'm asking about the woman who believes that it is, it should not be, the government should not have a rule against a woman having an abortion in the first trimester. Do you think, what do you think, do you think that woman is immoral? I'm not, no, I wouldn't make a judgment. I wouldn't, no, I, I would not make a judgment on her. It's not up, up, you know, it's not for me to judge her. Do you, do you believe there should be a law saying that um, abortion should be illegal? Abortion should be illegal. Um, no. There are, there are instances maybe where, you know, one would have to get an abortion for some medical reason or, or emotional reason or sanity or rape or, you know, there are um, always extenuating circumstances. So if she got pregnant on accident, do you think there should be a rule against aborting in the first trimester? Normal, I hate, to, I hate to make it a rule because I also have the opinion that the government shouldn't be in abortion issues. That's a, yeah, it's, it's a mad, I think that shouldn't be something that the government sticks their, their nose in. So are you saying that you have this moral belief and you'd like to... You, uh, you think I'm trying to think of a, a more polite way of saying it, but you think that abortion is murder, but you recognize that for other people, it's complicated or so, something, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and that you wouldn't feel comfortable with the law saying that, right? I really, the government is enforcing. Know, right. Bottom line is abortion, um, and not everybody goes along with this. Abortion is not the government's business. It's actually between you and God. Now, Planned Parenthood, um, the, here's, here's some facts I have about Planned Parenthood. I want to first see if you agree with these facts. They do a lot of other health care right. besides abortion. Like abortion is a small part of what they do. Uh -huh. um, they are the, um, one of the few, in, in especially rural areas, they're one of the few women's health care providers. And that so without that, women lose access to health care. Mm -hmm. And then um, the last one is that the federal money doesn't go to abortions. Um, the federal money goes for all their other health services. Um, do you agree with those with those facts? Those um, that I'm I, saying. I, I I don't I don't know exactly if the federal uh, money go goes to abortions. I kind of believe that it does. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would have to see proof that it doesn't go there. But I, mean, I think don't think federal government should be supporting, should be paying for it. Here's what I, I I'm no expert. Here, I, I know there's rules against the federal government uh, paying for abortions, right? Um, so 
I think uh, there's a misperception that the money is going directly to fund abortions. But I, I, I think maybe there is federal money going to Planned Parenthood and people see a connection. Like like if Planned Parenthood does a, um, you know, a, a, ma- a mammogram, uh, you know, pap smear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think thing. women can char- That's a good thing. Yes, that's a good thing. And I think that they can go to the um, uh, a Planned Parenthood and they can get reimbursed for it like, like you'd go to anything, uh-huh. right? But they can't get reimbursed for the um, – for the abortion piece, let's just say, um, it, let's just accept that that's reality for a second. Just that um, I'm pretty sure it is, but I just um, I want to get a sense of what you believe by um, running this hypothetical by you. Maybe if that's the case, where for other stuff they get reimbursed just like any other healthcare provider, um, but that they also do abortions. Does that affect how you feel about Planned Parenthood? Um, yes, I believe. Planned Parenthood should exist, and it should help people, and it should, but it should supply birth control for people, but that's where they need to stay out of uh, abortion. Give give people all the birth control pills or whatever that they want, and, and, you know, let the government pay for it, because government's going to pay for all these unwanted babies anyway, in one way or the other. To just prevent abortion, but 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 let people have all the birth control they want, and and therefore Planned Parenthood would be, in my opinion, uh, uh, necessary in that way. But I don't feel it's necessary. I don't feel it's even right to pay for abortion. If the federal money is not going for abortions, but Planned Parenthood is providing the abortions, is that something that you would actively? Um, vote to stop, or is that something that you would accept as something you don't agree with, but the, that your tax dollars aren't going to the abortions themselves, and that you kind of have a hey, you feel okay about? Let me see if I can sort of break that down. I'm not sure I can unpack yeah. that. Um, yeah. Um, I I don't think that the general that the taxpayers should pay for other people's abortions. Right. We've established in my hypothetical, and what I think is reality, no tax dollars goes to abortion, but Planned Parenthood is able to get other sources of revenue to pay to do abortions for that that's, um, small component of their overall health delivery uh, okay, um, stuff. Well, it is what it is. There's no, no way I could ever stop it. Um, well, that's, enough. that's exactly what I'm asking, though. Yeah. Would you vote to stop it? Would I vote to stop it? If the, if, if the issue came up and I could vote on it, uh, I think I would just stay out of it because I don't want to make a judgment. I, w- yeah. I would just stay out of that. All right. These um, are my own thoughts gonna... on, on, on abortion from what I know. Right, right. But I don't get. I, a... I don't know too much about, you know, what government is paying for. So, you know, I don't know. Let's say there was a group, right? This is totally hypothetical. I've never heard of this, so you're not committing to anything. <laughs> but let's say there's a group, and what they do is they provide support to women that have decided to have their babies, right? And this, they've decided to, 
they decided to have the babies, so they decided not okay. to abort their baby, their, their pregnancy. So, um, but the group consisted very intentionally of pro-choice people mixed with pro-life people, where you say, even though we have this profound disagreement on abortion, we're going to work together to support women who have had their babies. Now, it could, it's probably, it could be um, financial, it could be uh, tutoring, it could be daycare, like, but it's some kind of volunteer effort that helps mothers who have decided not to abort, where you're working with pro-choice people. Would that be something that appeals to you? Would that be something that you could do? I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I think it's a great idea. And the reason you wouldn't do it is just because just practically fitting the hours in your day and stuff like that. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's not a personal reason. It's like if somebody is young enough and they feel they want to do it, I, I'm sure there's a great need for it. And I wouldn't, uh, you know, uh, say that that's, that's a, a bad thing. I mean, no, I think it's a good thing. Do you think that there are pro-choice people who would be open to working with pro-life people in this kind of collaboration? Yeah, I do think so. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know that it's a completely black and white issue. You know what I mean? I'm going to move on. And there, there, there's so much to ask you about, but I don't want to um, hold you up too much longer. Climate change. <laughs> Some believe that, uh, oh, do you have an, uh, an opinion on climate change? Yes, I do. I have an opinion on everything. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> climate change. Well, there's no doubt about it. The climate is changing in certain areas of the world, probably even here, too. Um, but is it the big deal, like Gore said? Uh, no, I don't believe it. I've, all that also, I've watched different programs about that. I believe that the Earth has gone through many, many cycles in every so often, it may be 100 years, 200 years, maybe 1,000 years, it changes, it, it, and it, the earth warms and cools. And also, scientists have said that the uh, climate change and earthquakes and tornadoes and everything we seem to be going through right now is caused, and they've proven this, is caused by the center of the earth, if you can like put your your, your fist inside of your other hand, um, mm -hmm. that's the center of the earth. That is not turning while the outer crust of the earth is, no, I've got that backwards. The center, the core of the earth is turning, but the outer crust is not turning, which is causing earthquakes and different weather conditions. I believe from a scientific point of view, that's how weather change really is. Where did you, um, how did you learn about this theory? Uh, I think I saw it on a documentary in the History Channel, plus um, many, many other people talking about it, too. Yeah. Here's, uh, I want to run a fact, here's a fact as I understand it, and I'm curious for your reaction. Um, the, um, I can't remember the name of the organization, but it is like a vast majority. Let's say you accept my hypothetical. It's a vast majority of the scientists who study climate. What they say is, starting in the Industrial Revolution, we started producing what they call greenhouse gases, the carbon monoxide stuff, where we make a lot of it, and it fills up the atmosphere, and it traps the heat from the sun, 
So over the since the Industrial Revolution, we've got more and more of this stuff in our atmosphere, and it's not allowing the heat to radiate to space like it used to. And with just a couple degrees warmer oceans, that makes storms much more powerful. Uh, if, we, if we continue that way, the, the consequences, if they're right, the consequences would be grave. It's like disasters all over the world and indigenous people getting you know, buried in water in Miami, <laughs> Florida. Um, on, the, on the question of this idea that since the Industrial Revolution, we've put out these greenhouse gases and they're trapping heat. Is that an um, argument that you've heard before? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that I'm saying that that is the actual consensus of the scientists, not not the theory about the um, core of the Earth. What do you think about that? Well, there's probably some validity to it, but mm-hmm. I I've read so much and seen and seen so many programs on uh, the Earth has warming stages and cooling stages, um, and we just might be going into another warming stage. Um, I have heard a lot of people talk about the. Uh, the Earth over, you know, the four billion years uh, having warming and cooling, uh, but in terms of the the dynamic sense, you know, we we start making more of these greenhouse gas- gases. I have not heard people say that it's actually cooling. That the cycles are, the trend is like powerfully going into the heating direction. Mm-hmm. Um. The consequences are pretty grave if that's true, right? If so, if the uh, greenhouse gases are are, are uh, causing this, right? Like if we and if, if we don't do anything about it, mm-hmm. you know, in, in let's say fifty years, you know, we'll start to see serious problems, not just um, you know a few big storms that hit you know Houston and stuff. Uh, since the consequences are so grave, I'm curious your reaction. Even if we're not totally sure. One could make the argument we should probably reduce the pollution, this kind of pollution we're creating. Right. What, what do you think about that? Oh, yes. I think we should, we should make every attempt to be cleaner. Yes. Um, manufacturers, big companies, they're polluting the air like crazy. Uh, yes, I, I, I think, you know, whether or not that contributes to it, which it probably does, um, you know, I, I think that there should be something done about that. But well, okay. this is where the Trump thing comes back, and I, I'm interrupting a little because I I, I want to go back to Trump. He has put in at the EPA someone who says, "No, I'm not going to worry about that," and he's taken away the um, he's trying to deregulate a lot of that stuff. Uh, is that important to you? Uh, yes, I wish he would. I wish he wouldn't do that. Interesting. All right. Um, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, in agreement with everything that he does and right. says, because right. he's only human. When tr- right. When Trump says, "I want to make it safe to say Merry Christmas again," is how do you react to that one? Uh, well, is it not safe to say Merry Christmas? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know it offends people. I know it offends some people. Um, it, yes, I, I, I have to. Even though I'm not a, a great big believer in Christmas, um, I have to say that it should be safe to say whatever you want to say, and Merry Christmas is one of them. Is it not safe to say Merry Christmas? Is there other people wanting you not to say that? Sure, there are. Oh yeah, yes, there are. People what, of what different is... uh, 
different uh, cultures, different religions would like to, there is Mm -hmm. that going on too. They would like to eradicate people having anything to do with Jesus and would you say Merry Christmas to a Jewish person? No, I think it would be considerate of them and say Happy Holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, Although people do, I know several Jewish people, and they themselves say Merry Christmas. They say Merry Christmas to, to you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Be- mm-hmm. Because they, they know that you're Christian and you celebrate Christmas. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And they're friends, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're friends, right. Um. It seemed odd to me to bring this up, and he's brought it up, Trump's brought it up a few times. It seems odd because I don't say Merry Christmas to people that don't celebrate it, and I do say it to people that do. Uh-huh. And I, I, I would teach my kid that it's impolite to say Merry Christmas to someone who's not Christian. Like, it's just a matter of basic politeness to me. Like I didn't even think of it not being safe. So I'm, I'm interested that you actually feel... So first I was verifying with you that well, can you react to that? It's it's just a matter of basic consideration of who you say Merry Christmas to. But yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to a, a Jewish person that I didn't know well because mm-hmm. I would feel like I was trying to force them to accepting my belief. So, therefore, I would just tone it down and say Happy Holiday because I know they have Hanukkah right after, right around the time of Christmas. Um, right. You know, and I'm not out to, to convert anybody. Um, you know, so... I, I, and I don't like to offend people, but at the same time, if there is some kind of movement going on to make it that, that people feel you're, you know, you shouldn't, like Trump says, make it safe to say Merry Christmas. If there's someone who's making it unsafe, to me, that is wrong. Is there someone, do you, do you think there, you said you do think there's people that are trying to stop you from actually practicing your religion. Is that um, it's not, it, it's not full speed, yes, um, but there are, there, there are attempts. Uh, I hear of, uh, schools and teachers uh, saying that, um, it's okay for Muslim kids to bow down and pray four or five times a day, but, but I've heard things. People cannot say Jesus in class and they'll be reprimanded. So the culture here is changing, but, you know, that's what I mean by that. Um, so I think you have to be uh, careful. Like, where did you hear a story? The, the story is if a kid talks about Christianity in school, they'll be reprimanded. But if a, a Muslim kid mm-hmm. t- um, pra- like prays in school, they are not reprimanded. Right. It's encouraged. Because we're becoming, we're becoming, we're we don't even recognize our own American culture. Yes, to me that's wrong. It's just a personal yeah. problem because I've I have heard from teachers. Uh, I have uh, teachers in the family, and this is actually going on. They're not in favor of it, but it comes from a higher source. So, are you saying that someone in your family told you the story about a specific school where that happened? Um, they're, they're saying it's pretty common in schools. This just happens to be because everyone is offended now at everything. Uh, it's best to stay away from, um, religious topics. However, you know, uh, some of the people from the Middle Eastern countries, they have their rights here, which is, you know, um, a little backwards, but that is the way it's going. There's a, 
you know, people talk about separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. Are you you're familiar with that idea? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe uh, in separation of church and state? In some things, and in some things, it's kind of hard to separate them. How do you separate politics from religion these days with what is happening all over the world? You, you know. I believe the government, like I said, should stay out of abortion issues. But then again, um, if churches are being um, shut down or in some cases bombed or they're being uh, silenced, as so many are, uh, I don't know. How do, you se- how do you separate church from state in every issue? I don't think it's possible. You know, religion and politics really overlaps each other in so many different areas. Do you agree with this? Separation of church and state basically means the government can't tell you anything about God. You can go whatever God you want. The government is not going to do like a national religion, is not going to tell you what to believe religiously. Right. I, I think that's a good good principle. Mm-hmm. Who is, who is um, bombing churches? Um, sometimes it's a foreign terrorist and sometimes it's our own terrorist. What's the motivation to, um, somehow suppress or damage a church, a Christian church? Seems like there's an act of terror at least once a week. So I don't know. Different people have different motivations. Um, I don't know. There's something, someone is doing, is wants to actually bomb churches or or, or some or damage even a school or or, or, or or a concert. You know what I mean? Right. It could be any place. Those are well, those aren't attacks on Christianity per se, right? Those are Well if it was a church it, it's possible. Who knows what motive the, the, the bomber had in mind. You seem to think that there's something there's some kind of organized attack on Christianity, I think. That's what I, think I do I think so. Yes, I do. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm not hiding it. I'm not right, hiding right. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're not. And I, I'm always worried about how I frame things. Sometimes I frame things extremely because I want you to react. But um, what I don't want is for however crazy way I say it to actually influence how you're okay. – you know, I, I, I want to know what you think. Um, yeah, who's, who's orchestrating this um, attack on Christianity? Um. I I don't know for sure. Um, I couldn't say. It probably comes from different sources. Um, I know a lot of, some of this anti-American stuff, I mean, Christianity is part of America, um, just like Judaism is. Um, but a lot of it does come from people who want to destroy the country, because if you can take the moral values away from a country, the country's going to go down. Do you think, and you think Trump is moral and he's helping our country be more moral? He's trying. I can't say personally whether he's moral because, I mean, I've heard some of the things he's said in the past, you know, about women and stuff like that, and I I do not go along with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's wrong, but I think that because he's in the position he's in and he is surrounded by people like this and he does have um, 
uh, other uh, Christian leaders and Jewish leaders uh, come to the White House on a regular basis, and they do Bible studies, and they do pray, and he wants um, more patriotism, and he wants us to become the country that we once were. I think that shows that he's trying to be moral. Whether he is actually moral or not, um, I wouldn't want to judge him. That's for God to decide, but I believe he's trying. You think the country is less moral now than it used to be? Yes, I do. What, why do you think that? Um, just just observing people, um, how they talk to each other, that, um, like, nudity, uh, people, uh, girls going around acting tough like boys, um, using foul language, um, uh, see, and this comes from getting older. I've seen a lot of stuff change. Mm-hmm. Things that, like, t- let's take TV, I guess that would be one of the good examples, and, and some of them, um, things that they wouldn't dare say or do 20, 30 years ago, they're just common now. Everybody's just trying to out outcreep the next person. They're just trying yeah. to be more immoral because that's a popular thing to do. Yes, it's definitely, I'm real firm on that. It's definitely not as moral as it used to be. You know, um, I, I know um, I've heard that before and I, I've puzzled over it. Let me um, probe on that a little. Uh, in 1964-65 civil rights uh, laws passed we had 11 year old girls black girls would go to a school and there'd be like a screaming mob of adults like throwing tomatoes at that 11 year old girl Uh, people were told they need in the back of a bus uh, because of their color right i mean that's very immoral yeah I, then the the americans with disabilities act that like puts the 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 curbs you know like so at all the walkways like you can roll your wheelchair up we had the uh the you know the cuyahoga river whatever in ohio that like was on fire like six times the great lakes uh used to be a mess you couldn't have fish out of there like i say this river would start on fire um the ozone a layer that was depleted uh, has, is, is like recovering. I could give you a lot of these facts. If you accept them, you can tell me if you disagree with the facts. That say a lot of things about life are sort of measurably better, right? Sure. Um, those things I just quoted are positives, and, and you believe my... About the wheelchair and things like that that help humanity? Yes, um, they're right. positive. Yeah. And there's, we are not, um, there's not an angry mob of adults throwing tomatoes because a black kid wants to go to a different school? Probably not. Probably not. We, we, we may have come, you know, a long way in that respect. But, you know, there's still, there's still um, uh, segregation. There's still um, prejudices. There's still discrimination. That's not going to mm-hmm. go away because people are human, because they're, they're human beings and they don't know any better. But, um, you're saying that it's morally worse, and I'm wondering what um, is there any? 
And you, the examples you gave me are uh, the language is worse uh, on TV. There, it's yeah, it's the worse. songs are worse. These are probably mm-hmm. opinions, but a lot of people do feel that we have come down morally. But we're on a slippery, slippery slope heading down in morality. Um, well, right. And, uh, I like to probe that. I like to know why. I'll give you one 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 issue that pops into my head, and mm-hmm. that that is the transgender bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you may feel differently. I, I feel it's wrong. I have stated to many people. I've even put it on my Facebook page. In many cases, they've they've had reports of unscrupulous people being in the wrong restroom and attacking women. Um, not only is it morally wrong, I feel that there is a potential there to be criminally wrong. Well, attacking would be criminal. Totally be criminal, right? Yeah, exactly. I I would love to know how to get uh, how to prove any of these. Where to find that people are actually getting kind of accosted in the bathroom? Well, those were regular news articles. They made it, you know, into almost any source that you can think of. Those aren't, you know, made up things. Uh huh. Right, and I hope you don't mind. Um, <clears throat> I don't expect people to be able to like source their entire life, right? Yeah, I forget, always... where, I forget where I see things because I'm in a constant search for what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember where I got it all from. There's I like a... to keep in, t- in tune with what is actually what is actually going on here, and you know what is becoming of Hannity. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You've talked about people getting easily offended. There's a you know a lot of people talk about political correctness. Is that the 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 label that you use when you, when you're uh, think that people are getting too easily offended? Uh, yes, it does tie in together. Yes, people seem to get sensitive over certain issues. If you don't agree with them, they claim they're offended. Not everybody, mm-hmm. um, but some people do get offended easily. Yeah. And is that that that's and that's a problem for you? That that's frust- that's frustrating. Um, I don't spend too much time thinking about it. I you know, but I just wish that people could be honest and, you know, perhaps not sugarcoat things, uh, call it what it really is, and um, don't worry about stepping on somebody's toes. I think political correctness in the last number of years has gone way overboard, you know. Of course, I'd like to know, what's an example of when political correctness goes overboard? When, when When people's desire for you to use the right word becomes more important than just communicating clearly. Well, let's see. There's probably a lot of examples. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say that you said, um, uh, let's say you called someone because you were brought up that way. You said someone was an Oriental. Someone mm-hmm. will, if they're politically correct, they will immediately step in and say, "Oh, you mean Asian." For, that's a small example. Mm-hmm. It, it could also extend if you say, um, what, let's say you, you said, oh, that is a colored person. No, mm-hmm. they're a black, a black American. 
African American. African, yes, <laughs> yes. How could I forget um, that? I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, if they're American, that should be first, <laughs> and not American African, African, right? They should be, uh, you know, American black, but not mm-hmm. African. You know, African American. Um, if you're an American, America should be first. That's how I feel. I just study people and wonder why there's such a play on words. Uh, everything is like, are you using the correct word? What about Black Lives Matter? Is that yeah? What ever reaction to that that those words? Um, I think it's a has a political agenda, and mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's in the benefit of Black people. But Soros has also been tied to that to cause division, racial division, and I think it's working very well. Well, what do you think Lives Matter is doing? Like, what are what is their purpose? I don't know. I don't look into it too much. Um, I don't know because I guess I feel very strongly that all lives matter, you know, and then there's the police issues where, um, you know, they that enters into it. And, you know, the police issues are very complex because uh, police are being accused of picking specifically on black people and treating them differently. And I can't deny that. That might be true in some instances. But mm-hmm. then there's also the other side of the story that, you know, uh, something could be happening that, a lot, you know, the policeman is, um, you know, just doing his job against a criminal, no matter what color they are. And the police have it hard. I mean, it's all tied up. It's all tangled up. Do you think that um, there's any kind of systematic uh, isolation of like black people when it comes to police? Where there, the, the blacks are getting stopped more in the cars, they're getting stopped more at the streets, um, they're getting fined more, stuff like that. Uh, perhaps, perhaps oh, that, that I wouldn't rule that out. In all fairness, um, I, I, you know, the thing about black and white. It's such an interesting, controversial subject because um, I had no problems with black people. I've worked with them all my life. I have black friends. We have black members in the family, uh, like you do. And um, I have no problem. I get along with them. I I love black music. I love a black person that you can laugh with and have a great time with, and we do in my family. On the other hand, there are people who, no matter what you say or do, they are just prejudiced. I don't know what you mm-hmm. can do about that. That's, that's just what's in their heart to be that way. I don't know that you can physically change it until they, um, I don't know what's going to change them. I really don't. I, I think it's horrible. Do you believe that this idea that if you are from money, even just middle class, your your kids are more likely to be middle class, regardless of race. Oh yeah. And that black and that blacks are coming from a generationally having less, and they haven't caught up yet. Um, um, well, I mean, it does help if you uh, come from a little bit of money. I think you have an advantage in education. Um, but then again, um, some people they just they just try harder. Um, the the black policeman in my family, uh, my nephew by through marriage, um, he came from a very poor family. He was determined to make it. He studied. He went to police academy. 
He is um, a very moral person. Uh, he had, had to work maybe a little harder than someone else in certain things. He doesn't hold any grudges. He doesn't see that he's being uh, uh, abused or pushed on by other people. He just believes in working hard because, like I said, he came from a poor family. Got a beautiful house in Lancaster with everything that you can imagine. And um, did it by hard work. He didn't get it from his family. Right. No, I'm. I'm. I'm always in admiration for people that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I admire them too. I, I really do. I admire them. But, but but from a broader perspective, do you accept that? You know, in our society, more often black are from a poorer background, and their parents would have less to give them, and the schools would be worse. And oh yes, I think that sure that that exists. No doubt about that. So. You think of any kid, black or white, growing up that way, they they have some additional burdens. Yes. And um, if you're a mother and you believe that your black son is in danger from the police, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're in that poor community and he might be getting profiled, as they say, because he's black. And that might actually get him shot because there are – Proportionally, more backs are shot by police than whites. Like it's not there's statistically a reason to think this is something scary. Um, that would make you kind of angry and scared. Mm-hmm. Do you, yes, it would. So I'm trying to provide another side to see how you fit it, fit it together. Black Lives Matter is not saying that all lives don't matter. It's saying that they matter too. It's saying right now we're throwing away black lives. They just want to say Black Lives Matter also, right? I think that's their idea. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, but so do Spanish, you, so do Native Americans. Right. Native Americans haven't gotten a good shake on anything. Yeah. Do you think that, um, that there's a way to say Black Lives Matter in a different way that would work for you? Or is that, like there's something about that movement that doesn't work? I'm all in favor of them, um, you know, being... Uh, up there and equal and having opportunity, but um, I, maybe it's the way it's done. Maybe maybe it's the title. Uh, maybe it causes more division. Um, I certainly believe it causes more division. Uh, something, I don't know what it is. I don't have the answers, but something should be done so that all American citizens are equal. And I don't know what that is. I'm like I said, I'm not totally, I'm not really into politics, but we all know right. something is really wrong in this country. We all know that. Right? Uh, I get confused. That's why I'm calling to, I'm calling all the interesting people I know and I'm asking them. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you, don't you um, feel that there's a lot wrong in this country? Don't you? Ah. Uh, we we have what? blessings, but there's a lot that could be better. Yes, it's it's it ends up being complicated. Here's what I've here's what I've learned. I could say yes to your question, but we could be talking about something totally different, right? Right. And um, here's what I know. I know that I think you're a person that I'm really glad I know. I know that our views. And a lot of these issues are very different, right? Uh-huh. And some of the things that I might think are b- 
bad, you might think are good. <laughs> oh, I know. But um, it's that way with everybody. Right, right, right. But there's often ways with with, with good-hearted people. There's. Uh, let's see. Um, wait a second. Uh, Confederate monuments. Do you have an opinion? Um. Yes. You can't erase American history. Leave it. Leave it alone. Yeah, that's my opinion. Uh-huh. All right. Here's my question. It is what it is. <laughs> the example I was giving someone else is: there's a guy on a horse, whatever, Robert E. Lee, and a beautiful horse. He's holding a big sword, bigger than life. Right. Uh huh. Um. Is there a plaque on there that says what he was fighting for? I don't know. I was never really good in American history. <laughs> yeah. um, history wasn't my thing. It might be more now than it was before since all this has happened. Um, you know, um, but I don't, I, I don't even really know much about Robert E. Lee. I, I know he was a Confederate, so I, I think that's all I know. He's a good example because he was like the the reluctant Confederate, right? He um, might have even thought slavery was bad, but um, he couldn't resist the call of uh, his home state. Well, let me ask you this. Was the Confederacy fought over slavery or was it fought over states' rights? I couldn't answer that. I don't know. All right. If the South would have won, it would extend have extended the institution of slavery. There would have been slaves for longer, regardless of the the core reason for the Civil War, it would have made slavery continue. Okay. It, Longer? The South was, yeah, the South was fighting because they wanted to own slaves and they didn't want anyone to tell them they could mm-hmm. Do you accept that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Lincoln did a good thing. Yeah. So if you have a statue of a Confederate general. Like Robert E. Lee. Like Robert mm-hmm. E. Lee. And his primary role in history was to fight to keep slavery, even if that were like, let's say, state rights, but he would have extended institutional slavery. And let's say that that statue was built um, in, let, let's say, nineteen early 1900s, which a lot of them were around. Some of them coincided with the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan. Like, uh, let's say a local... Um, a local community was worried that black people might actually start feeling equal and they wanted to communicate to them that they should not uh, feel equal. And so they they celebrate this Confederate general. Um, If you are a black person and you're looking at a celebration of a Confederate general I'm saying that might you might feel like that is not history. But history uh, is made was, to to teach people a lesson. There's a lesson in yeah. that. That a lesson a lesson means that that was a total mistake. Don't ever go there again. You think that a big statue to Robert E. Lee with him riding on a horse holding a sword high is a le- is is communicating bad <laughs> bad mistake. Well, no, it may not be, but if you take all of those things out of the history book and sanitize it, what the heck is it, are people learning? Right. 
Um, it happened, and, and, and it should be a lesson that that is not the right way to treat people. Do you think that if add a plaque to it that gave a more fuller accounting of, of what it was, that might help you mean tell like, a fuller history? Like, you mean like saying what it was that he actually stood for? Maybe, and I, I'm not even, I don't even have to work out the language. Yeah. Like, just something that spoke to the complexity of Yeah, that what, might help if it, if it showed the negativity of, of his, his part in history, yes. What about if they moved the monument to, like, a museum where they could treat it in a historical context? That would be good. Come on. Right. That would be good. That would be a good thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you, are you letting dog, your dog Sorry. Out? I like it. What's your dog's Shadow. name? Shadow. Yeah, I had, when you were here, I had uh, Raven. Raven. Do you like dark dogs? Yes, I that... do. That's why they're in, my first one was Dusty, my second one was Raven, my third one was Pepper, and now this one is Shadow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there someone you've seen talk or some belief system, when you listen to it, you're like, I can't understand what the heck that person's talking about. That's crazy. That's from a different... Totally different worldview. Like I can't even summarize what their what their argument is. Um. Uh, well, I I suppose I I don't want to be offensive. Oh, offend away. <laughs> I I guess I cannot fathom or even understand why people did not really look into some of the things that Hillary is identified with uh-huh. and some of the things that she did and why people don't think that she needs to um, kind of uh, get prosecuted for some of the things that she did. They, some people seem to completely turn their back on it. That would be like me saying, I think it's right for Trump to have used the pussy word in regards uh-huh. to women. And I, I don't think that's right. But I see it. Why is it some people can't see what her husband did in the White House wrong and some of her viewpoints, which are one-world viewpoints, why they don't they think it's okay that she did what she did with emails, she did what she did when those prisoners were going to have their heads chopped off, and uh, she delayed, and they ended up getting their heads chopped off because she didn't. Which prisoners? There were some prisoners that were um, facing ISIS attacks, and she did not uh, send yeah. anyone in to rescue them. Mm-hmm. And these are things that uh, this is the scenarios that baffle you. You're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why uh, it's like uh, here's another one. Okay, the left wingers want to bring in all kinds of people from other countries, whether they're documented, whether they're safe, whether they're not, because they feel they should have a chance in America. On the same person, but on the other hand, it's okay to kill babies. That is, that so, is terrible. Yeah, and that that again, another that's another case where right, it's so confusing. It's hard for you to even understand what what they believe. Right, you never know what goes inside. You know, goes on inside another person's head or heart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You really don't. But it's important that someone can explain their position in a right way. Which right, right, mm-hmm. But you might that still is a value. Come, you might still come away with the same opinion, though. I don't care right, how right. anyone would rationalize taking in 
a million or more people from un, possibly unsafe countries that have terrorists among them, proven mm-hmm. fact, and yet at the same time feel badly for them, but at the same time say it's okay to to abort a baby. It doesn't make sense to me. So they can explain it all they want. I don't care where they're coming from. It's not right. It's important that someone be able to say, like, I believe X, and I believe X for these reasons, and they list what they consider to be facts. Okay. And then, then you can discuss, like, oh, those facts aren't the same as facts. And then you can have a discussion about, about those facts. Is that a- Oh, yeah, open discussion is always good. Mm-hmm. You still come away with your own um, opinion on something, no matter what the other person says. Right. But you, you have a moral question about a person who would – they seem to want to bring in immigrants, but they also want to make – they think it's okay to have abortion. You don't understand the morality of that person. Is that true? I don't try to understand the morality of them. I just say in my mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I don't want to judge them. Maybe they feel that way for – whatever their reasons might be, but and they can talk to the blue in their face, but, you know, I, I, I would not go along with it because I feel it's wrong. That's my conviction. Uh-huh. Is I'm it true that you... Hmm? No, go on. I'm not trying to say I have a closed mind. I'm trying to say certain things are black and white. <laughs> that would be one of them. Do you think that uh, the impulse to let in immigrants... Does that come from a place in someone's heart where they they just care about people and want to help people and think that this country would be a great place to be and start a new life? Just on that on that particular question, is that what the motivation is of someone who wants to let in the immigrants? It could be, but maybe no way. It could well, be. I mean, we all came from immigrants, but they but but we. Um, our ancestors that came here, they, they came in the proper way. They assimilated. They made efforts to to work and not live off the system. There was a whole lot of issues that come if you just open the doors and let them pour in, as opposed to, yes, you can apply for citizenship. You have to show me that you're going to get a job when you get here assistance for just so long, you have to prove you don't have any communicable diseases, et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of things like that, where there should be more selection. So I can't mm-hmm. say whether the person that just wants to let them all in has that motivation. I don't know what their motivation is. It just doesn't make sense to me. Do you think that the migrants coming over from, like, Mexico are committing crimes at a higher rate than native-born people? <clears throat> Let me tell you this. My sister lives there. She can test to that firsthand. Mm-hmm. They come through Phoenix, and they make a disaster. They camp out in people's backyards. They leave messes. I'm not saying every one of them. That has been happening there for a number of years, and the crime situation has gone up, too. So, yeah, I do think that that is, is a possibility. Not everybody that comes over, but some of them, you know, if they want to come here so bad, then use the proper channel. And when you get here, don't start burning the American flag.
because I'm all very triadic, you know, on top of a, a Yeah. Do you think, um, other than that, Colin, um, oh, God, Kaspernick? Oh, the guy yeah. who kneels? <laughs> you don't want to get me on that. <laughs> oh man, you definitely you're you're you think that's wrong? Is that true? Statement? I know it's a two sided issue. I've heard about the good things he's trying to do. Uh huh. You know, and I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm saying go through the channel and get your causes known without without kneeling without it. Do, do it through uh-huh. the proper channels. You're making big money here. You know, uh, think about that. Where else would you make such big money? Well, you know, um, he's not making such big money now because no one will take him. He's sort of been uh, blacklisted. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't disagree. Um, I, I had heard, tell me if this is, if this is what you'd heard, that he actually consulted with some veterans to say, how can I use the platform I have in a respectful way to say that I think that right now, and not me, because I'm rich, but uh, black people in general are suffering from an injustice. Um, I want I want to get the message out. How can I do that respectfully? And he talked about taking a knee. And the veterans he talked to said, yeah, that, that's a good way to do it. It's a way to um, practice this tradition of um, protest. It's, you know, do you I'm believe say, that? Do you believe that? Well, I'm asking whether you believe it. No. <laughs> I'll ask, I'll answer it if you answer it. <laughs> oh my gosh. What do you think? My name is Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, I do believe it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I really think that goes against everything a veteran stands for. So that's that. I see I don't I think it's everything a veteran did stand for. I like I think that the whole idea what makes this country great is that you can burn the flag. Not that you can't. In other countries if you burn the flag you go to jail. But here if you've got if you got something to say, no one can stop you from saying it. Now that doesn't apply to an employee. It applies to the government. Like the National Football League could stop him, right? The First Amendment doesn't apply in that scenario, like the First Amendment applies if you set, if you tell the government they're full of baloney, right? I'm curious about your reaction. I think that what makes this country great is that you can burn the flag for to make a political statement, not that you can't. Right. And your and your rebuttal is. <laughs> no, oh, what do you, no, what do you think? I think it's great. That's a freedom I would not want to see taken away. But there are proper right. venues. Uh-huh. Whatever Kaepernick is trying to, um, the message he's trying to put across. It should be some sort of a program to make people more aware. I don't think by offending patriotic people who are thankful to be in this country, I, I really don't think that's going to work. And the fact that you just said that he's losing his popularity or blacklisted or whatever, um, it just kind of goes to show that there are still people here who love this country and think it's the greatest country to be in and we should be thankful to be here that you could earn such big money, black, white, any color. Um, but, you know, I, I realize the cause, but let him go to the proper channels and, and get educate people. Educate them so they don't think that way. Well, what I'm, I don't care. I don't equate. There's two things you equate that I don't equate. Um, I don't think that um, 
it's not loving the country to do the protest, right? I think people sit on their butt and don't do anything, right? When if I see someone... Protest, if you don't protest? Right. I think some people see problems or they're not directly affected and it's convenient to do nothing. And let this guy, right, he's rich. He doesn't have to do anything, right? But he said, I believe something and the best way I can tell people about it is to take this risk. And I'm just running this by you. Like I say, I want your reaction. So I would be curious what other kind of approved process he could go through, but certainly he's going to get the message out, right, that he feels passionate about. Um, and uh, it's not convenient for him. Uh, and he knows that it's going to be unpopular for some. He's going to he's going to state his, a position that's going to be unpopular for some people, but he does it anyway. And he paid the price. He basically is, right now, has lost his career. And you think that's good, not bad. What do I think is good? That he's for for here's a man who has a belief about justice, and he said, "I want to find a respectful way, taking a knee, to um, communicate that so everybody knows it's this is wrong. People are getting hurt. People are suffering. I want the world to know people are suffering, and I want us to do better, right?" I'm, I'm, and I recognize I'm giving you a total positive spin, and I'm doing that on purpose because I want your reaction. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, um, and I want to know how you feel when I say this stuff. Um, so he's, here's a man of principle who's saying, I want the world to know, and I'm willing to pay the price if it doesn't work out. And he did the price. Um, he is uh, not making the money. You know, he's not, he didn't get drafted. You know, like people are, you know, not taking him. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that, this idea of a principled stand that has to do with the suffering of others? I... <clears throat> I, I have to go back to there's other ways of doing this. There has been in the uh -huh. past, there's been all sorts of programs to help minorities, and I think that that would have been his best way to go. A football game is a football game. I'm not into football, but however, it could have been a concert, it could have been anything. People go out yeah. to enjoy an event. They do not go there to hear someone's little viewpoint. We've gotten way too political. Everything is political. Yeah. And people. Okay, I want to talk a little about the Kaepernick and the kind of political correctness and Black Lives Matter. I want to. I'm curious about this aspect of that discussion. Uh, first, first, let me start with uh, I, I just the other day on NPR, I heard a story. I don't have the exact source, but I could. I'm sure I can find it. Is they sent out job resumes to a bunch of different um, corporations. Okay. And this is some academic did this. They had duplicate resumes, but on some resumes they had a black-sounding name, whatever, like Jamel or Taquisha or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. there was a huge difference in the callbacks between duplicate resumes and names. That is, white Protestant whatever names got callbacks more than the black-sounding names, even with a duplicate resume. Uh-huh. Um does this does does something like that surprise you? No. No, it exists. You accept that there's some like uh injustice going on there, unfairness, mm -hmm. I don't know what to call it. Um all right. So I'm thinking about suffering and I'm thinking about unfairness. When someone is suffering I mean I'm thinking about this in the context of like political correctness, let's say, right? 
uh, like the summons using language will say like, don't call me um, colored, call me African American, something like that, or don't call me Asian, don't call me Oriental, call me Asian, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, ignoring us for a second, ignoring me, ignoring you, like it's not about us. It's like the other another person is suffering now. May they might be twenty percent nonsense, they might be eighty percent nonsense, they might be totally correct, right? Um but I think there's some amount of suffering that other people are doing. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think about in life, if someone's suffering, they're saying things and I wanna just listen to what they're saying. Not 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 like pick it apart or be offended or something like that. Right. Sometimes when I hear people talking about political correctness, I think to myself, here is a scenario where a group of people, real live human beings, are having some kind of injustice done. Right. They're speaking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's a temptation for the people they're getting spoken to to say, like, don't preach at me. Don't tell me I'm bad. Don't judge me. You know, I didn't do it, you know. So of all those reactions, which I think, in a way, you, you were saying things like, um, they, uh, it's, a, they sh- it's annoying having these people say, like, fiddle with language. Like, it feels very petty to fiddle with language, I think. But there's this view I'm, I'm, I want to run against you where... Someone's suffering, they say, call me by this name, or I want you to do, I, w- I just want you to be aware of this. What is the matter with just listening to their suffering and realizing that we don't have to get offended, we can just listen to what they say, and then call them whatever name they want us to call them? Oh, how do I feel about that? Yeah, I was very complicated. Sorry, I can do a more concise job. I need more coffee, evidently, but go on. <laughs> no, no more coffee, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I am willing to listen. Um, and I realize that people are coming from all different walks of life, and um, we can't possibly know what someone else feels like about anything until we walk in their shoes. Therefore, I want to be uh, non-judgmental about some things. Mm-hmm. Let me add this. When it comes to uh, uh, the flag or any type of patriotism, um, I do think because this is such a wonderful country and that people like sports figures, etc., have the opportunities that they have, they should not disrespect the country. That's where I take a little turn. Yeah. I'm very American. I'm very pro-American. Where did that come from, your patriotism, do you think? Um, <clears throat> I just appreciate um, the fact that um, we do live in a great country, and um, we have more than a lot of countries. And I think it, it, it helps to be appreciative of us. Yeah. What, the things about America that make it great that you appreciate that are the source of your patriotism, what specific things? Um, 
we still have, uh, at this point, we still have allowed to bear arms. We have freedom of speech. Uh, we can uh, have a culture the way we want it to. We, we are, generally speaking, people who respect family. Um, we try not to push um, our particular goals on anyone else. Like, um, like if we're in a certain religion or if we're in a certain um, just style of living, pretty much most people, used to be anyway, would not push that on someone else. Uh, it's, a, it's a great country. It's, uh, I don't know, opportunities to make money. Um, a lot of we're not a we're, we don't have all the things that <clears throat> a third world country has. We're blessed enough to have not be in that position, and I don't want to see that change. Does your Christianity create any kind of obligation on your part? Uh, to think about social justice issues. Social justice issues. Could you give me an example of what a social justice issue would be? Yes. Um, this idea that there is a systemic injustice around, uh, Af uh, let's just say, blacks. They, they're uh -huh. um, not, you know, statistically uh -huh. broad, like public policy-wise, cultural-wise, the likelihood of you having, tr having additional burdens is greater if you're black. Um, does your Christianity give you any insight into how to react to that reality? Sure. Yeah. All of the prejudices are wrong. Mm -hmm. They were also created just as we are, and no one is any better than anyone else, and I believe <clears throat> that uh, in Christianity, there may be some who separate the races, but in more recent years, I see that um, there's a lot more coming together on that issue. What does that mean, a lot more coming together? Um, people, people are people. Um, Skin color shouldn't be an issue. You know what I try to figure out with that question, or with those kind of answers? I Obviously, I believe that too, and I know we share this value. It just gets a little bit harder in real life when people uh -huh. act different and talk different or they're, um, or certain conflicts arise. Like, is it enough to think that thought... Um, no, you have to live it. You can't okay. And, yeah, what, is, what, is, what does it mean to live it then? Well, I'll give you an example. The party I'm going to this afternoon, in my family, there are black people just as well, just like there are in yours. Mm -hmm. my, my niece married a black man. Uh, Will is his name. They have two kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, Will's mother, who is black, um, she comes to all our get-togethers. And we've been doing this for years. There, there is no prejudices. We laugh. We talk. 
Uh, we talk about anything and everything, and there's a lot of love. Mm-hmm. So we're, I believe we're living it. It's not like we are uh, uneasy with each other. We know she's black. She knows we're white. She, we went out to dinner with her uh, last week to an Ethiopian restaurant, and she was afraid she couldn't go, and she said, I just want to be with my family. So she considers all of us. No matter what our skin color is, she can she she considers us her family, mm-hmm. and we consider her part of the family. So I, I would say we're living at the very best we can. My parents didn't teach us any um, uh, uh, segregation or, or any um, uh, what would you call that racism. They didn't teach us any racism. Did I ever did I ever get you mad with my questions? No. No. Well, people don't seem to enjoy um, talking to each other anymore. It seems like if, this is my take on it, if people disagree, some people are like this, if they disagree with you, they don't want to talk to you anymore. I've been at parties where that has happened. And it's like, what happened to the just normal exchange of ideas, even though we feel differently about something? I think that's what's stopping people from getting to know each other. You know what I mean? People shouldn't be judging other people by their political beliefs. They should just look at them as people. I totally agree. Well, I don't know. You know, families have really been affected by these political differences, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they have. That's why sometimes it's not good to, you know, talk about politics because you could like someone for, you know, or love someone for 98% of their personality or whatever it is that, you know, made you friends or family members, and then you bring politics into it, and somebody's opinion is polar opposite of yours, now all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, you know, I didn't know that person was like that. I don't know if I like them anymore, depending on, you know, the situation. Right. That, I've seen that happen. You realize there's a limit to your relationship. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I would have, depending on what it is. I would avoid the topic with that person, um, you know, uh, and just, if I really like the person, and just remain their their friend or their relative, you know, yeah. even though, I'll give you an example. I have a friend, and we get together for lunch, and I don't know how the topic of Native Americans came up, and but it did, and her opinion was that um, they, um, they shouldn't have reservations or they're really not treated badly. Uh, and, you know, and I feel the total opposite. I feel like, you know, this land was taken for them and from them. And, you know, and we touched on it. But you know what? I just let it go because I could see that I like her very much as a person. And I thought, okay, we have that difference, but I'm not going to push it. I'm just never going to bring it up again. You know, that that actually points out some of the reasons why I think political differences become so large is because you sense a moral failing in the other. Like, this bit about the Native Americans, um, why does she not have empathy for these people, do you think? I really don't know, because I never questioned her. Um, I don't know why she, I can't even figure that out. Um, and maybe there's other people who feel like she does, too. I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel that way. Why do you have empathy for Native Americans? Um, I, they were, well, they were here first and 
I think they were pushed around. They were abused. Uh, they were killed. I mean, they. I just think that was wrong of white people to do that to them. And you, you actually see that 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 injustice that happened many, many years ago. You see it like echoing into the present. Yeah, yeah, they're confined to reservations. And when I was um, a lot of times. And when I was uh, working as a bus monitor uh, for Layla, we used to have to go into one of the reservations. And it's a lot of alcoholism and poverty with those people. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it reflects on them and it's still true to today. Probably the only rich Native Americans are the casino owners. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was that experience um, that... Uh when you would go into the reservation, like you actually saw something with your own eyes, maybe that yes, gave I you did. empathy. I've always felt that way, though. When I was in third grade, I had a Native American boyfriend. <laughs> My father used to laugh and make fun of me and tell me I was going to have to wear feathers, you know, uh-huh. stuff like that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I've always felt like, you know, and, and then, you know, when I first started dating Eddie, um, his family had a cottage out at the um, Seneca Indian Reservation. The Seneca Nation owns that land, and uh, cottages are, are put there. That's how they make their money. So we got to know a lot of Native Americans when his cottage was there. Yeah, and they were very nice people. And I saw a lot of poverty and alcoholism in them as well. So yeah, I do. I do feel like they were um, disrespected. I guess probably the the best I could say is they were disrespected. It is amazing to think of our history and how there were people here, but we just kind of like um, steamrolled right over them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whether you're talking about the slaves that came over from Africa, or whether you're talking about Native Americans. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe even, you know, if you really look into it, and I haven't, any group of people that came here as immigrants, I'm sure they had a white Anglo-Saxon. Totally. There's, uh, there's signs where they say, like, no Irish or Italian need apply, you know, to... to like... Right, right. I mean, my grandfather even Americanized his name so he could get a job. Uh-huh. You know, and that was common back then, you know? yeah. People seem much more enlightened now. That that, that is that. Would you agree with that? Because that, um, well, yeah. But you are. You've also said that you think the the times are less moral in general. Yeah, I do think so. Those two. Yeah. Those two notions sort of seem in 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 conflict. Like, how, how do you? How are you working that out? That. You know, yeah, well, yeah, we used to have signs that says, no, I wish you tell you need to apply you your colors only, water fountains. We don't have that anymore. People seem generally more open to this notion that we're all just people. <laughs> well, that's, Im- okay, that's improved. Okay, okay, so that, that aspect is that's improved. That's improved. Okay. But why they would be less moral, um, I guess maybe I could say, just at a quick thought, some of the things that you see on TV, yeah. uh, the words they're saying on TV, uh, programs that kids get to watch that maybe years ago you would have said you just can't let your kid watch that. Yeah. Uh, and now parents are just lackadaisical about that. Um, you know, like uh, shows that, you know, maybe uh, 
someone five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten would watch, and there's a lot of sexual content, for example. Where yeah, but years I'm, ago, I mean, I'm trying you know, to. I'm comparing what seems like more out and out racism and um, treating people bad in ways that matter in their lives, like that they don't get enough money or, or they can't get a job versus like a TV show. Like that might be bad that we're more, um, I don't know, like permissive in ways that maybe have gone too far or something. But the one, one seems like annoying and the other seems really bad. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Annoying, like, like what would be like annoying? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm saying that, like, I'm saying that the injustices of the past, like that we that we just talked about, seem really mm-hmm. bad and affect people's life. But the, mm-hmm. the the things that you're you're describing as examples of immorality are, they don't have such a material influence on anyone's life. It's like, yeah, okay, a kid watches a TV show that is not appropriate. That's a little different from saying. I'm not going to give you people a job or let you live and get a loan from a bank so you can buy a house. You know, like those are two, those seem so different. Right. Well, one would be a uh, moral. Hang on a second. Let me close the door. There's nobody here, Shadow. Um, <laughs> one would be like a moral issue where I think people are are, are um, not as moral would be like the TV show. But then you have the... Other issues, I don't know which one is more important than the other. You have the other issues, and um, I think people are more tolerant, if that's what we were talking about. They do um, accept that uh, segregation is wrong, and I think a lot of attempts to have people all... um, unite or have jobs or treat each other I think that's come a long way. There may be opposites, but I'm, I'm not. Life I'm is complicated. Sorry. Oh, I'm saying I see improvement in racial relations at the same time that I see morally people are going down. It might be two different topics. Yeah, you know what I think? You're calling morality this general kind of, I don't know what to call, there's a word for it, but it's like kind of a cultural, um, like how people talk and how they behave, like an, an etiquette kind of. Uh, a sen- um, uh, it's like certain values and how you how you walk and talk in the world, that kind of cultural idea. Mm-hmm. Isn't that morality? I mean, no, yeah, that, that's... I, I have a broader, like when I was thinking about, but that could explain a few things. When I think of morality, I'm thinking of like how we do the, how we treat people in ways that affect their life in a material way. Like when banks were doing the famous redlining where, uh, you know, they didn't let people with different races get a loan to move to a different area or sometimes get a loan at all. To me, that's an, an example of an immoral society. But you, you would call that, I think you're calling, you're not, you're not connecting that to morality. You're thinking that to social injustice or something, but mm-hmm. like the more, you're, you were thinking more of a cultural immorality. Like it used to be that yeah, people were I more polite. Yeah, when I think morality, yeah, I think of how, what you're saying, like people have degraded in their morals, the way they talk, uh, maybe the, the way the music they listen to. 
the movies they watch, that kind of morality. Interesting. Let me ask you this. Is the world more just? No. In some, in some ways it might be. Maybe people are trying to make it just for people of all races. Maybe they're trying. See, uh-huh. it's, you know, they're, they're mixed uh, questions are, could be answered either way because yeah. some people, just like it's always been, some people are trying to improve and some people are bringing us down. You know what I mean? At the same time. Although, isn't there less institutional um, uh, injustice, like, foisted on people? It used to, I'm just saying it used to be a lot worse, and it's... Uh, yeah. Um, you can make the case that the that our country is more just than it was, uh, like, oh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, it, it might be. It might be. I couldn't say for sure. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it's gotten more just. You're definitely saying, it's in, and so there's a difference in your mind between this idea of what's more just, what's more fair, and this idea of morality, which you're, you, you process as kind of a cultural statement. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm limiting morality to people's behavior that... I can't even describe it. This no, I age, think I. I think I understand. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not including like uh, social justices in there. I'm just saying. I guess I'm saying there's a lot more low lowlifes than there ever was. Why <laughs> 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 I just be honest? <laughs> Why do I beat around the bush here? <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, I don't think people, too many people have class anymore. Class. That's the kind of stuff. Nobody knows what that is anymore. It's like dignity. Um, It's like walking um, with a certain amount of, um, well, class is a really great way of, I think I know what you're saying. Respecting yourself and standing up for what you believe in and... Uh You know, that's part of it. Not not following the crowd if you have a different idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Standing yeah. out. People don't want to do that. Everybody wants to go along with the crowd. I don't. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not in a popularity contest, you know? Yeah. No, I don't care. You don't. You don't care what people think of you? Exactly. It would be nice if they liked me, but I'm not bending to make them like me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm my own person. It's gotten me into situations and maybe discussions with people or people just thinking I'm a weirdo or something, but I don't care. I don't have to please anybody. Yep. <laughs> I guess that's probably why I, I tend toward the not being politically correct. You know, when it comes to, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat everything. You want to tell the truth. But then again, you know, you could cross the line and be a downright road, too, you know? So, right. <laughs> someone in the middle might be, might be good. One of the reasons why I like talking to you also, I want to talk to you, besides we hadn't talked for years, right? Here's what I know about living next to you. 
I know you're a good person. I know that you were always there to help. Oh, I'm just saying the facts. I know that when my parents were old and not doing so well, you made yourself available. Oh, they were sweethearts. They really were. I, I to this day I miss them. I have very nice neighbors yeah. next door, but it is it's it's you know it's not the same. I still miss right. them. And I have to tell yeah. I have to tell you a funny story. This happened at your father's funeral. The um, uh, you know when we all went over to the the chapel and they asked if anyone had any stories you know about uh-huh. Sid. Yeah. Um, if you remember me saying it, but I'll repeat it. Um, I said well. I said, your father, every time I cut his hair, because I would go over there and cut his hair, and after I was through, yeah. every time he picked up the mirror, and he would say in, <laughs> in his best French accent, don't, <laughs> don't hate me because I am beautiful. <laughs> and yes. I related it, and people laughed. Sometimes, come on in, Shadow, come on. Sometimes they invited us for dinner, and just to be funny, Eddie and I used to drive over, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And then they'd say, be careful going home. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We used to have so much fun with them. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, they were great people. We must miss them both. Um, Okay. But here's my last question. Are there three books or three movies that have had a big influence on you? Three movies or three books? Um, Gosh, that would take some... Some thinking through three movies. Um, yes, I, um, yes. Uh, Imitation of Life is one of them. It's an old movie. It's funny. It talks. You know, it does address this a black white situation. Um, the original movie. What did you? Hmm? Uh-huh. What did you? Why is it? Why was it influential for you? <sighs> because uh, do you know the story? No. Okay, you should watch it sometime. Um, Mm-hmm. It was made probably in the 30s or 40s. Lana Turner was in it. And she was mm-hmm. a uh, movie star with uh, with a white daughter. And she had a black uh, maid. And she had a, um, a, a daughter who was black, but she looked white. And she tried to pass for white. And I won't tell you too much about the rest of the movie. It's quite a story. It's a tearjerker. And it really magnifies the situation of uh, the things that she went through with this daughter. It just magnifies how um, color just seemed to be so, um, such a sensitive issue. Even prejudice back then. And, you know, the daughter didn't want to let, she, she wanted to be white. And so she tried to be passed for white. And then when mm-hmm. they found out that she was black, they were very angry. Um, I mean, it's just just a, just a great story. So that that movie, I, whenever it's on, I look for it. I, I probably watched it ten times, but I still I still cry over it. There's a tragedy. Is there a tragedy in there? Uh yes, yes, there is. It's something about the characters you connect to. Um, I don't know the next to them. I can't feel the um, uh, connection on a personal level, but I can feel the connection on a. Um, uh, mother to daughter relationship level, society, uh, and just society's part in all this. Mm-hmm. So that movie, this movie had you know quite an influence on me, and um, I guess you could say, and uh, just a beautiful movie. 
And uh, I, I like so many movies, I can't even think what might have happened. I know. It's really hard when someone asks you out of the blue. <laughs> well, Rebel Without a Cause was another one that uh, I think is a very influential movie on me. Was it because of your the man? Well, I like James Dean, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like James Dean. That's part of it. And then the other thing about that was that it it's just so typical of that era and time. And um, the dramatics, the melodrama that went on in those movies is, is kind of funny in a way, where they make a big thing out of a little thing and mm-hmm. uh, peer pressure. And uh, Sal Mineo in that movie, they didn't say it, but, but now they would. But uh, in that movie, he, he was gay, but they didn't talk about it. They, these were like loner-type people, Natalie Wood, Sal Mineo, and James Dean. Mm-hmm. They were loners. They were like, you know, yeah. and they bonded together. And I think, you know, that was, that was a, a very interesting thing. They didn't have anyone else. They all felt like society left them out for one reason or the other. Do you relate to that? Do you feel like the uh, the outcast in some ways? Um, no, no. I've always felt like um, I was pretty cool and I fit in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, you know, I, I I did tend to hang around sometimes with people who no one else liked for one reason or the other, because uh-huh. I, you know, and and probably because I was uh, sympathetic to to something, you know, like I used to be in Welcome Wagon when I first moved to Kenmore, and the first friend I made in Welcome Wagon was a Jewish girl, and the rest of the, a lot of the other people didn't really like her because she was Jewish, and, 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 but we became good friends, you know, and another girl, nobody, I I was friends with her, they didn't like her because she came from a very horrible background. Um, she ended up committing suicide. Uh, but she had, you know, she had some problems caused by her upbringing. And, you know, mm-hmm. even though I didn't feel like I was different, I could um, I could just sympathize. I guess you could say I just sympathize with people that, you know, don't feel too popular. Thank you so much for helping me with this project. I really appreciate it. It's nice to reconnect. Yeah, very nice to reconnect. I love being able to say thank you again for all you did for my you're, parents. You're welcome. You're welcome. It really was nothing. Eddie and I both enjoyed them. That was episode four of Like You. My name is John Zelson. You've just met Joanne. Subscribe to Like You to meet more new people. Thank you for listening, and goodbye for now.